Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Kids, time for kids' church. All right, there you go. Several months back, well, actually in August, it's, it's my, August is my month of writing. It's a month that I kind of dedicate to just figure out the direction God has for the word and for the messages that we're going to bring through the course of a year. And in that, uh, one of the things that really stood out to me was the 103rd Psalm. How many of you have ever read the 103rd Psalm? It's a beautiful psalm. It starts... Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and let me forget not all his benefits. I had a dear saint in one of my churches that paraphrased that. And bless the Lord, O my soul, and I get all his benefits. And I think I like her translation a bit better. The benefits that God has. Did you know that being a child of God, being a believer in Jesus Christ comes with benefits? In this psalm, we're going to look at five specific benefits that are given to the believer. I, I thank God for that. I like benefits. Hello? How many of you don't like benefits? You can give them to me. I'll take them. Amen. But the benefits that we have as a believer, Psalms 103 tells us five of these. In verse 1, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he lists these five, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like that of the eagle. I, I love all of that. I like every aspect of it. In the next several weeks, we're going to be sharing with you and talk, taking you through this journey of the believer's benef benefits. This morning, though, I want to address just the first one, the divine forgiveness. What a benefit. Can you say that with me? Divine forgiveness. Say it a little louder. Divine forgiveness. That's a benefit. How I many of you know to be forgiven is a huge benefit? Amen? And uh, we want to talk about that. Notice how David starts this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's speaking to himself. It's interesting that we are made up of a body, a spirit, and soul. And our soul is made up of three things. Our will, our intellect, and our emotions. I don't know about you, but I don't really, well, I think there's built-in obsolescence in these bodies. And I'm looking for a recall. <laughs> but my, my challenge really isn't in my physical being. It has its wear and tears and struggles, but that's not where my biggest battle is. My battle really isn't in my spirit, but my battle is in my soul. My will, my intellect, my emotions, that's where I struggle. Anybody here besides the preacher struggle in any of those areas? That's where we deal with every day. We deal with our emotions. We deal with how, how we think. We deal with 
our, 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 all of these issues of, of our willpower in, in that area. And this is where David is really focusing. He's saying, soul, I want you to think about the benefits that God has given to you. Reminding yourselves of the benefits that come in a relationship with Christ. And, and there are three things this morning I want to look at in this particular one on forgiveness. First of all, it says, he removes our transgressions. That's a big word. He removes our transgressions. Verse 10 says, he has not dealt with, a, with us according to our sins. How many, of you, how many sinners here this morning besides the preacher? Any, we're all sinners, right? Sins. Now listen to how he declares this. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Say that word with me. Iniquities. For he, for as the heavens are as high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him as far as the east is from the west. If you ever wondered where that was in scripture, it's right here. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. So we see sins, iniquities, transgressions. And I want to kind of define what each of these are because it's imperative that we understand the, the differences and the uniqueness. There is a difference between iniquity and transgression. They're both sin, but there's a distinction about what they are and how they impact our lives. Iniquity is an inward motivation, that which drives me towards sin. Transgression is the outward movement towards sin. If I could put it in another way, one is, is really the attitude of my heart. The other one is the action of my hands. One is the attitude. The other is the action. Does that make sense? Give you an illustration of it. Lust is iniquity. It's inward. It's internalized. Adultery is the transgression. It's the outward act, if you will. It's interesting that Jesus was challenged by the Pharisees with this issue. You see, in their mind, unless you had actually acted upon something, that was what sin was. Jesus in the Beatitudes says, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that if a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery in his heart. You see, in the Pharisees' mind, it was okay to window shop. It just wasn't good to go in and take advantage. The point of this is that both are sin. One inward, one outward. One that's, that's pondered, one that's thought, and one that's acted upon. It's interesting how that works. Iniquity. Inequity. Simply meaning not equal to God's holiness. That's really what the word inequity means. Iniquity means inequal, not equal to. I'm, it's in, I, there's an inequity between how I live and the standard of God's holiness. That, that, that clarify that a little bit? And, and when I look at this, it's, it's imperative to recognize it. How many of you love the Bible? I love the Bible. And I'll tell you why I like it. Because it's real. Now, think about this. Iniquity inward, transgression, outward. I want you to read with me in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 5, where it says, now listen to this. Look at the way it works. 
He was wounded outwardly for our transgressions. He was bruised. That's internal bleeding. He was bruised for our iniquities. Isn't that interesting? So we see even here in this beautiful passage, speaking of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we see the distinction between iniquity, transgression, inward, outward, and Jesus covered it all. I could get excited about that. And it goes on. When the Bible tells us that he has removed our transgression, how far? East from the west. I can go due west of here, and if I go far enough, I'm going to come from the east back here. East and west are going to meet somewhere because we live on a sphere. God is lineal. Eternity is lineal. Infinity has no curve to it. It's it's exhaustive. And when God says that I'm going to put your sins as far as the east is from the west, it's infinite. There is no meeting point. There is no point where they come back together. There is no convergence point. It is lineal. It's forever. That's what he's telling us. That's exactly what he's trying to share with us. Second Corinthians says, says it this way. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, imputing their, transpa- their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Listen to the way this works. Tre- trespasses or transgressions really works. How, how many of you have ever seen a sign, no trespassing? You know what that means? It means that there's a boundary you can't cross over. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's transgression. That's sin. And God is saying here that he's placed on Jesus all of that that really should be for us. The only way a holy God can relate to you and I is when he takes our sin, our iniquity, our transgressions, and those are paid for through something that he would declare that would cleanse us and bring holiness. And he did that by, as we see here in this passage, he's taken those and he's placed them on his son. Jesus paid the debt once for all. And God never charges a second time for what's already been paid. Oh, that... that. So many of us have this attitude, though, you know, I come to Jesus, but God's got this file cabinet that's, that's just got all of my sins on it. And he goes every once in a while when I ask forgiveness, and he opens up the file. Get the picture? God, I want you to forgive. And so we go back, and he's looking, and oh. Oh, wow. 1995, you asked, me for, you asked me to forgive that sin 15 times. <laughs> 2008, you asked me to forgive it six times. You're doing better. 
2017, you asked me 76 times. Now, that isn't the way God does that. When I come to Christ, he has taken my sins. He's obliterated the files. He doesn't have a whiteboard up here with crib marks. He took the blood of Jesus and washed it, cleansed, clean, and there's something in it that that can no longer be restored so that I would see it again. Do you, do you get the picture? He's redeemed me from my sins. Secondly, he remembers our sins no more. Now listen to that. He remembers. Say that word with me. He remembers our sins no more. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. God cancels those for his sake, not just ours. But then, if, listen to it, and I will not remember your sins. And I will not remember your sins. Hebrews 8 says it this way, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Remember means to recall or to bring something up for some purpose or use. And God has chosen to not bring up my sins. Satan, on the other hand, constantly brings up my sins. Yeah. Constantly he's bringing up my sins. Constantly he's reminding me of my failures. Constantly he's telling me how bad I am. Can I be candid with you? There's not a Sunday that goes by that before I come into this service, the enemy doesn't remind me of how big a sinner I have been. And I have to tell him to go to hell. That's where he belongs. I am a child of the living God. My sins have been eradicated and obliterated and blotted out and forgiven. And he chooses never to remember my sins. Oh, but pastor, pastor, you mean God forgets your sin? No. No, it doesn't say that he forgets. Remember, he's omniscient, omni, all-consuming, seeant, which means having all knowledge. He knows all things. Let me tell you something. He knows it all. He sees it all. He understands it all. He knows every sin that I've ever committed, but he chooses not to remember. The Bible never says God forgets. He chooses not to remember. You see, if he forgot about my sins, he'd probably forget about 75% of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, don't laugh. Some of you are a little higher percentage. <laughs> you know, men and women are different. 
in, in many capacities, but memory is one of them that's really unique. I, I am convinced that men lose their memory when they sleep. Just ask, just ask, just ask your husband or a friend, what did you do yesterday? And you know what? They'll have to strain and think about it. They really will. But a woman on the other side of the story, they never forget. They give you time, date, place, hand gesture, and what you were wearing 30 years ago. I don't know what there's so much hallelujah about with that. That's just a whole lot of bad. <laughs> Many years ago, my daughter was about three, four years old, and we came home from church. We had two, two vehicles at the time. I was in the church van, and I brought her home, and she fell asleep. And I get in the house, and Sherry says, where's Tricia? Oh, She's out there in the van. I went out to get her. She was screaming. You forgot me, Daddy. Oh, yeah, I felt so bad, but it was only like half a minute. We were on a date when she was about, oh, I don't know, 14. Little kid was crying. She says, I bet her dad forgot her in the car. <laughs> Both man and woman came out of God. The all-knowing part was given to the woman. The choosing to forget was given to the men. <laughs> Number three. He, re he releases us. Listen to this. He releases us from our iniquities. I'm, I'm a word nerd. I just love the words. He releases us from our iniquities. Psalms 103 verse 3 says, Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. The word forgive literally means to release, to be released from debt or imprisonment. To be released. I love that. Forgive. To be released. He, he, he charged Jesus the price of our sin. And Jesus paid the price. And he's not going to charge me again for my sin. And iniquity is an inward bent towards sin. Hear that? One of Satan's lies is to convince you that we will always have that weakness. It's one of these lies. I've got this, this proclivity in my life. I, I'll never get rid of this. This thing has always been there. It will always be there. That's a lie right out of the pit of hell. Listen to the word. When we come to Christ, we are released. To whom the Son sets free is free indeed. When we come to Christ, we are released. Lord, I tell you right now, I could get excited. Better be careful. Think about this. We've been released 
We've been set free. But many are still in shackles and bondage. The enemy is a liar. He is the father of lies. He didn't know how to tell the truth. He couldn't tell you the truth. If, if he had to tell you the truth, he'd tell you a lie. That's just who he is. And he wants you to be bound. He wants you to be entruncated by your past. He wants you to be enslaved by those things that have held you in bondage. He wants you to be in some way incapacitated. And my God wants you to be set free. Now listen to, listen to the word. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I am telling you that you are released in Jesus' name. You are free in Jesus' name. You are forgiven in Jesus' name. Now, before you think that that's some weird thing, Listen to this. It's not priest-penitent condition. It's not absolution. Remember this whole concept is the contextualization of this passage. It's found in the fact that this was declared in the 40 days from resurrection to ascension in Jesus' life. And in this period of time, he's reminding his disciples in Matthew 28, 20, Go ye therefore into all the world and teach all nations proclaiming them what? He's telling us to teach them what? That Jesus Christ paid the price once for all, and I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, and I'm set free. So by the authority of what Jesus did, by the authority of the Word of God, I'm telling you, you are set free in Jesus Christ. It's crazy. Watch. It's asking me if I just fell down. <laughs> I did not fall. <laughs> Go into all the world. The enemy of our soul wants to destroy us from within. But if I fail to come to Christ... If I fail to yield my life to him, every sin that I have sinned will be held against me. If I fail to access what God has so freely given, every sin will be held against me. But when I yield my life to the Savior, when I ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins, You see, it's not based on my performance. Please don't misunderstand this. It doesn't mean that I have a free free pass to go out and live like hell. That's not what this is saying. I, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to live a godly, holy life. Remember, this concept of inequity is really inequality. I'm not living up to the holiness that God wants in my life. He wants me to live a holy life. Now, let me, let's, let's get the definition. What is the definition of a holy life? Is it my definition? Is it yours? Is it the Assemblies of God? Is it the Nazarene? Is it the first Christian? Is it, is it the Baptist? Is it the Catholic? What's the definition? The definition is right here in the Word. It's His Word. I learned many, many years ago that my role is to catch them. I'll let Jesus clean them. Because I can put a whole lot of restrictions on you that God never put on you. 
Hello? Jesus forgave all of our iniquities and releases us from iniquity. What an amazing benefit. I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I want you just to bow your heads and your hearts and your mind right now. I'm going to ask you to ask a question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? And I want you to listen to that inner spirit, that inner voice. If it's a voice of condemnation and hopelessness, that's not God. But if it's a voice that says, there's a better way. There's a greater opportunity. I want you to listen to that. What is he saying to you right now in relationship to this message? To whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He paid it all, once for all. Are you willing to receive the benefits that he's given to you today? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed for just a moment. Perhaps many of you have known those benefits, known the grace of God, and life has just kind of taken you on a tangled path. Maybe you're not right where you should be today. But you've known God loves you. Can I be candid with you? I don't think you'd be here in this service right now, in this place, had it not been for the fact that God cares deeply about who you are. And he wants you to know there's hope, there's life, and there's forgiveness. And you'd be so candid this morning to simply say, Father, I need to get back to you, or perhaps for the first time, I need you. There's a lot of growth that all of us have to do, and there's a lot of things that we're going to grow in as we grow in our relationship with him. But it begins right here. It begins with an admission that I need him begins with the statement that, Father, I can't live without you. Perhaps it's even so much as I don't want to live any longer the way that I'm living. But you'd be honest enough to say, I need him. I need his mercy. I need his grace. I need his peace. I need him right now heads are bowed, eyes are closed, would you just simply be honest enough to respond to him and say, yes, that's me. Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? Yes. I see hands all over this room. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you do some crazy thing. But it's an admission that I need Jesus. I need his mercy. How many of you are tired of the enemy lying to you and telling you you can't change and there's nothing you can do? How many of you have had those thoughts come through your mind that it's time those things stopped? It's time that we put an end to that in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning, everybody?
And, and I want you to pray a simple little prayer with me. I'll form the words. You, you take it to heart. Make it your own. But we're going to declare this. We're going to verbally declare this together this morning. You know, the Bible says that the enemy is the prince and the, and the power of the air. So we're going to say it out loud because we want to bring down the strongholds of the enemy that he has no com- command over your life. Amen? So everybody, I want you to boom it out this m- morning. Father, I need you. I'm not ashamed to tell you that I need you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Help me today. I yield my life to you. You are the only one that can bring freedom, victory, and peace into my life. And I receive you now in Jesus' name. And I declare with the word to whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I declare that I am free indeed. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray your blessing over everyone in this room through the power of your word. That, Father, you will speak to us encourage us and challenge us through your spirit. That, Father, you will bless us with that understanding and that liberty that you've given to us. Not a liberty to live an ungodly life, but a liberty to live a holy life by the power of your spirit. I I bless your people, Father, with your word that you will go before them, stand beside them, be beneath them, in front of them and behind them that you will walk with them and guide them and direct them, that you will speak to them and through them, that you will give to them peace, strength, boldness, and courage. I pray your blessing over their going out, their coming in, in their work, in their leisure, in all that they will do, that you will always be constantly there with them, that you will help them in all things and guide them in all things. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name.